European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 41, Issue 42. Focus Issue, Acute Coronary Syndromes. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. New Challenges in the Management of Acute Coronary Syndromes. Residual Risk and Sex-Related Inequalities. Although optimal control of cardiovascular risk factors is fundamental for reducing cardiovascular risk, abating the residual risk is emerging as a key target. An important way to achieve this goal is by addressing vascular inflammation. In the past 30 years, a remarkable series of experimental and clinical studies have shown that inflammation plays an important role in all phases of atherosclerotic plaque progression, including plaque disruption, leading to acute coronary syndromes. The Cantos study was the first trial to prove that the inflammatory hypothesis is correct as canakinumab, an anti-interleukin-1b monoclonal antibody, improved the outcomes of patients who had experienced recent myocardial infarction, or MI. However, the clinical benefit was modest, the side effects problematic, and the treatment cost high. Nevertheless, this study opened the way for new forms of treatment with anti-inflammatory drugs. The first contribution in this focus issue on acute coronary syndromes, or ACS, is a fast-track clinical research article entitled Time to Treatment Initiation of Colchicine and Cardiovascular Outcomes After Myocardial Infarction in the Colchicine Cardiovascular Outcomes Trial, or COLCOT, by Nadia Bouabdalwi from the Université de Montréal in Quebec, Canada, and colleagues. The authors remind us that the Colchicine Cardiovascular Outcomes Trial, or COLCOT, demonstrated the benefits of targeting inflammation after MI. In their trial, the authors sought to determine whether time-to-treatment initiation, or TTI, influences the beneficial impact of colchicine. Patients were randomly assigned to receive colchicine or placebo within 30 days post-MI. TTI was defined as length of time between index MI and the initiation of study medication. The primary efficacy endpoint was a composite of cardiovascular death, resuscitated cardiac arrest, MI, stroke, or urgent hospitalization for angina requiring coronary revascularization. The relationship between endpoints and various TTI, less than 3, 4 to 7, and greater than 8 days, was examined using multivariable Cox regression models. After a median follow-up of 23 months, the reduction in the incidence of primary endpoint was confined to patients with TTI less than 3 days hazard ratio 0.52. The beneficial effects of early initiation of colchicine was also demonstrated for urgent hospitalization for angina requiring revascularization, hazard ratio 0.35, all coronary revascularization, hazard ratio 0.63, and a composite of cardiovascular death, resuscitated cardiac arrest, MI or stroke, hazard ratio 0.55. The authors conclude that patients benefit from early in-hospital initiation of colchicine after MI. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Thomas Lucia from the Royal Brompton and Harefield NHS Trust in London, United Kingdom, who notes that the main Colcott trial, and now this important sub-analysis, 
open the door for an even more effective treatment of patients with ACS with remaining inflammatory risk. In a clinical research manuscript entitled Complete Revascularization Reduces Cardiovascular Death in Patients with ST-Segment Elevation Myocardial Infarction and Multivessel Disease, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Randomized Clinical Trials. Rita Pavassini from the Azienda Universitari de Ferrara in Italy and colleagues sought to investigate the prognostic impact of revascularization of non-culprit lesions in patients with ST-segment elevation MI, or STEMI, and multivessel disease by performing a meta-analysis of available randomized clinical trials, or RCTs. Data from six RCTs comparing complete versus culprit-only revascularization in STEMI patients with multivessel disease were analyzed with random effect generic inverse variance method meta-analysis. The primary outcome was cardiovascular death. Main secondary outcomes of interest were all-cause death, MI, and repeated coronary revascularization. Overall, 6,528 patients were included. Cardiovascular death was remarkably reduced in the group receiving complete revascularization, hazard ratio 0.62. The number needed to treat, or NNT, to prevent one cardiovascular death was 70. The secondary endpoints, MI and revascularization, were also significantly reduced, hazard ratio 0.68 and 0.29 respectively, while all-cause death, hazard ratio 0.81, was not affected by the revascularization strategy. The authors conclude that in a selected study population of STEMI patients with multivessel disease, a complete revascularization strategy is associated with a reduction in cardiovascular death. This reduction is concomitant with that of MI and the need for repeated revascularization. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Christopher Granger from Duke University Medical Center, Durham in the United States and colleagues, who note that the results of the current analysis reinforce the findings of the complete trial. However, questions remain. While non-culprit lesion PCI at the index primary PCI appears reasonable for stable patients, it should not be done for patients in cardiogenic shock. They also note that further work is needed to define the optimal timing of non-culprit lesion PCI and to evaluate the value of physiological measurements to guide non-culprit lesion PCI. In the meantime, this meta-analysis further emphasizes the benefits of non-culprit lesion PCI to improve outcome in patients with STEMI and multivessel disease. Statins reduce cardiovascular risk in patients with acute ACS and normal to moderately impaired renal function. It is not known whether proprotein convertase subtilism kexin type 9 or PCSK9 inhibitors provide similar benefits across a range of renal function. In a clinical research article entitled Effect of Alirocumab major adverse cardiovascular events according to renal function in patients with a recent acute coronary syndrome. Pre-specified analysis from the Odyssey Outcomes Randomized Clinical Trial. Jose Tunion from the Autonoma University in Madrid, Spain and colleagues determined whether the effects of the PCSK9 inhibitor alirocumab to reduce cardiovascular events and death after ACS are influenced by renal function.
Odyssey outcomes compared alirocumab with placebo in patients with recent ACS and dyslipidemia despite intensive statin treatment. Estimated glomerular filtration rate, or EGFR, less than 30 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters square, was an exclusion criteria. At 36 months, alirocumab decreased LDLC by 48% versus placebo, while it did not affect EGFR. Overall, alirocumab significantly reduced risk of primary outcome coronary heart disease, death, non-fatal MI, ischemic stroke, and unstable angina requiring hospitalization. There was no interaction between continuous EGFR and treatment on the primary outcome or death. Alirocumab reduced primary outcomes in patients with EGFR greater than or equal to 90 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared, hazard ratio 0.78, and 60 to less than 90, hazard ratio 0.83, but not in those with an EGFR of less than 60. Adverse events other than local injection site reactions were similar in both groups across all categories of EGFR. The authors conclude that in patients with recent ACS, alirocumab is associated with fewer cardiovascular events and deaths across the range of renal functions studied with larger relative risk reductions in those with EGFR greater than 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Christopher Cannon from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. He concludes his editorial with the following statement. My clinical takeaway is that I will always try to 1. Pay attention to the EGFR and document the stage of chronic kidney disease, or CKD. 2. Make sure they are treated to the guideline goals, and for very high-risk patients, such as those in Odyssey outcomes, that would be an LDLC of less than 1.4 millimoles, or less than 55 milligrams per deciliter. And 3. For those with more advanced CKD, stages 4 and 5, I look to the extent of their coronary artery disease and their clinical history of events, and if they had extensive disease or prior cardiovascular or CV event, I would treat per the above guidelines. There are sex differences in presentation, treatment, and outcomes of MI, but less is known about these differences in a younger patient population. In a clinical research article entitled, Women who experience myocardial infarction at a young age have worse outcomes compared with men, the partner's young MI registry brief. Ron Blankstein from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA and colleagues note that the objective of this study was to investigate sex differences among individuals who experienced their first MI at a young age. Consecutive patients presenting to two large academic medical centers with a type 1 MI at less than 50 years of age between 2000 and 2016 were included. Risk factor profiles were similar between men and women, although women were more likely to have diabetes. Women were significantly less likely to undergo invasive coronary angiography and coronary revascularization, while they were significantly more likely to have MI with non-obstructive coronary disease on angiography, 10.2% versus 4.2%. 
women were significantly less likely to be discharged with aspirin, beta blockers, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors slash angiotensin receptor blockers, and statins. There was no significant difference in in-hospital mortality. However, women who survived to hospital discharge experienced a significantly higher all-cause mortality rate, as a ratio 1.63, with no significant difference in cardiovascular mortality, as a ratio 1.14. The authors conclude that women who experience their first MI under the age of 50 are less likely to undergo coronary revascularization or be treated with guideline-directed medical therapies. Women who survive hospitalization experience similar cardiovascular mortality with significantly higher all-cause mortality than men. A better understanding of the mechanisms underlying these differences is warranted. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Maricia Tweet from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA and colleagues. They feel that we should work towards increasing awareness of heart disease and heart-healthy lifestyles within our communities, engaging with local policymakers, promoting primary or secondary prevention efforts within our clinical practices, designing studies that account for sex differences, facilitating recruitment of women into clinical trials, requesting sex-based data when reviewing manuscripts, and reporting sex differences in published research. This issue is complemented by two discussion forum contributions in a contribution entitled STEMI in COVID-19 Patients Thrombolysis First Approach Could Yield More Risk Than Benefit Dimitrios Fracciatis from the Humanitas Clinical and Research Hospital IRCCS in Milan, Italy and colleagues comment on the recent publication entitled Experiences and Lesson Strategies for Cardiology from the COVID-19 Outbreak in Wuhan, China by on-the-scene cardiologists, by Lin Zhuang from the Zhongnang Hospital in Wuhan University in China and colleagues. Zhang and colleagues respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.